0: This is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And this is Chris-John Riley from the Eurotrash Security
1: Podcast. And you're listening to the official podcast of the first 2011 conference in Vienna,
0: Austria. To find out more, please visit the site at www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress.
1: Hello, today we're interviewing Brian Krebs, who's a freelance reporter and the uh, editor of Krebs on Security.
2: How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great, Martin, thanks.
1: Now, your today your talk today was Funny Pharma, Inside the Web's Leading Rogue Pharmacies. I, I wish I could say it was a, a great interview, I mean, a, a great uh, presentation, but I only got the end of it. So I'm going to hand it off to Chris, uh, Chris John Riley to, to ask the first few questions.
0: All right. Just to, to kind of give an overview, what, what did you cover in your talk? You covered the two largest pharmaceutical providers or the two largest at the moment?
2: Right. So I tried to just give um, a perspective on the business um, and how these businesses grew. So uh, I looked at ARX Promotion and uh, GlavMed, both from, the, uh, both from the inside uh, out. So from the perspective of uh, their affiliates and the people who were buying from those programs.
0: And it was kind of a, an interesting web that they wove because they originally started off as a team, um, but then kind of split up and began to compete against each other and actually in fighting as well, which is still pretty interesting.
2: Right, right, yeah. The the uh, the guy that uh, founded uh, 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 RX Promotion um, and the guy that founded Glavmed, uh, the the two pharmacy programs that I looked at were both co-founders of ChronoPay, if not the largest, then one of the largest online uh, payment processors in Russia. And they both started that company, but pretty soon after that went their own ways and started their own pharmacy programs.
0: What interested me was that they both seem to still be in business, still doing their own things, and the Russian government or whichever government um, hasn't really done anything to...
2: Well, um, yes and no. I mean, the Russian government did uh, lodge some mild criminal charges against uh, the guy running Glavmed, and he's now in exile from the country. I don't know where he is. He won't tell me. But um, And his business took a hit from that. You know, and, uh, Spam it, which was one of the biggest uh, 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 forums for these guys to talk about how they do what they do and, and their methods and so on, um, closed down as a result. That program closed down, and spam took a big hit uh, after that got closed down. So I'm not really sure it's, it's, it's accurate to say that, that they haven't done anything they have, but these two programs still exist. Uh, this industry is still very lively, and of course, a lot of that activity traces back to Russia. So in part, you're right. Yeah.
1: Well now, I mean to kind of take a side trip you do have done a lot of really good work on spam and and a lot of your work has led to a, a great reduction in spam and have you I'm sure you're proud of it but what's the what's come out of that have you been seeing much lately or or I mean you're continuing those efforts and and I'm sure they've they've got to be rewarding to some degree
2: um yeah i mean i don't I don't know how much of it is 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 my efforts and how much of it is just um, me being in the right place at the right time and 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 talking to the right people. So um but I, there are a lot of people interested in taking down botnets, uh, taking down this different parts of the spam infrastructure um and I think that that's you know there's no there's no waning in interest there. Um and uh there's some interesting stuff going on and I think you know this is an area to watch. We saw what happened with uh the uh the justice department going after uh, core flood right um, I think they learned a lot from that and I think it took that, it took them a lot to get to that point um, I think it's pretty, I mean you do better to ask them but I think it's pretty safe to say that that's a model that they're going to use going forward to, to go after some of the other big, uh, big networks out there.
0: We're not taking these big companies, these big pharmaceutical, um, rogue pharmaceutical companies down we're just kind of Putting a dent in them and stopping them for a couple of weeks or months, they just keep popping, popping back up again.
2: Yeah, there's no question that there's there's some of that. The, the that's why I kind of in my talk I focused more on the payment infrastructure, um, really focusing on um, who are the who are the merchant accounts that are processing most of this activity from the pharmacy from the rogue pharmacies to the rogue AV, uh, you know, the scareware stuff. Um, it's the same processing. It's the same merchant accounts. And so I think it makes sense to focus your attention there. And part of what I did in my talk is explain how some of the data supports the notion that there are relatively few uh, credit card issuers here in the U.S. Um, whose customers account for a majority of the purchases uh, for, from these rogue pharmacies. And that you know if there were more attention paid to that, um, that may be one avenue to, to cut off some of the the, the money flow and, and really put a dent in this business. On the other hand, you know, um, it may just be a whack-a-mole thing. But
1: well, I think one of the things that you said in the, at the end of the talk was that a lot of the legislation, a lot of the enforcement is aimed at the end user, not at the companies that are doing that. Can we change that? And at the same time, can we change the, the whack-a-mole mentality of having to, to shut down these merchant account-
2: accounts? I'm not sure that the best way to address this is is passing laws. Um, they those almost never have the intended effect. Usually they, uh, when they do get past their, you know, a year or two after, you know, the problem they're trying to solve changes into something else or the, the, the hammer that you've, that you've made to hit this nail, uh, is no good because you're not looking for a nail anymore. You're looking for something else to, 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 to beat on. Uh, so I don't, I'm not sure that the legislative approach is, is the way to go about this. Um, and the other thing you said whack-a-mole, I mean, the security and and sort of the, our response to this to the to criminal industries is always going to be responsive, right? And we're always going to be behind these guys. I mean, that's that's just the nature of the the industry. What I what I would like to see is, well, this is kind of a, it's not going to happen. And it's kind of a pipe dream. But more of the security industry, more openly involved in addressing some of the infrastructure issues you know, related to these criminal enterprises. I've gotten a lot of crap from uh, people who work in the security industry, you know, at the antivirus companies or whatever, but I've, I've said a lot of this industry is last mile. You know, it's, it's securing the user, it's securing the desktop, and that's great. I mean, somebody's got to be there, and that's, that's a very worthy place to do business, but ask the antivirus firms how concerned they are about who the actors are. Ask them how concerned they are about attribution and figuring out um, who's responsible for doing this stuff. They don't care. They'll tell you that's not what they do. It's, that's that's not their job. Um, it would be interesting if more people were interested in that. I think it would it would change the equation a little bit. But for whatever reason, maybe the the incentives aren't there. But there aren't that many people paying attention to that part of the the, the economy.
0: You threw out some interesting statistics in the presentation. One that kind of amazed me is that we seem to be focusing on sort of the wrong problem. We, we're focusing on rogue pharmacies, and it's all Cialis, Viagra, and various other things, but a, a large number, was it Sorry, 65% of, of pharmacy is in that direction. Mm-hmm. There's still 35% in the US anyway that isn't targeted at male enhancements. So yeah. it, it's targeted at real medical issues. Do you, People are just focusing on the wrong problem, or is that more of a pharmaceuticals charging too much? Therefore, there's a market.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I I tend to think that that people don't take this the rogue pharmaceutical stuff very very seriously because there's a uh, a belief that you know vast majority is the male enhancement stuff, Um, and in my research, I found that is you know yes, it's a majority, but there's still this other big chunk that's, you know, it might be, uh, controlled, uh, substances might be, you know, addictive painkillers might be, uh, you know, cancer drugs, <laughs> but they should be just as concerned about this from a safety standpoint, uh, as, as they are for, from a, you know, who are they supporting kind of standpoint,
0: um, one of the things that did interest me is that you, you gave a quote from the DEA saying that they haven't found a large number of foreign sites selling controlled substances well that wasn't my quote I found that on the interwebs. but uh it's, it was I, I looked up the original quote and it's interesting to see that they're they're saying that most of them are scams most of them are um, you get your credit card stolen yeah. or you don't get what what you what you ordered but you're Your information kind of goes completely against that.
2: I've interviewed hundreds of buyers from these programs, and they almost all got what they ordered. That was, I wasn't expecting that. That was unexpected, and and whenever I encounter something like that, I always try to pay attention, try to figure out, why is my result different from what other people have found? And all I can say is there, consider the source. Somebody came up to me after my talk and said, you know, you, you answered a question about whether anybody was looking at the efficacy of these drugs. And you said you didn't know, uh, but Pfizer's already done that. And um, and then I remembered, oh yeah, I guess they had, um, in that takedown of Rustock, they went and they bought a lot of the pharmaceuticals, this is what they said, and they put in the court filing, they said they, they went and they bought a bunch of these drugs and they found that, you know, by and large, they, they, they had all these contaminants in them and that they were, um, you know, not what, the, what the people ordered. And all I have to say about that is again, consider the source. Why would, 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 you know, would they have published that information if it had said something different, if it had said people got what they ordered. And the only reason I, I bring that up is um, I've been communicating uh, with a, with a university. Uh, it's not the UCSD folks, by the way, it's, it's another university that that's had uh that I shared the the uh, GlavMed database with. And um, they have testing labs for this kind of stuff. So we've been talking about how to go about testing these drugs. You know, could they order them and have them tested? They're, just, they're still trying to figure that out. And early on, they got approached by, I'm not going to say it's Pfizer because I'm not really 100% sure, but I know it was one of the big three drug companies. And they offered to pay for the study. They said, you know, we'll, we'll sponsor this this, this study, if you go ahead and test these drugs. And they said, well, that, that's very nice. You know, what do you guys get out of it? And they said, well, you know, it would help our, our uh, public relations efforts on this. And, and, and they essentially said to them, okay, well, we'd tentatively be interested in that. And the, the, turns out the the funding was contingent on a couple of things. And one of them was if you're funding, if your if your research shows that the the drugs largely are what they say they are. You can't publish that. Again, consider the source.
1: <laughs> that's a little bit shady practice, but I, I'm I'm assuming that's not entirely unheard of in the uh,
2: educational domain. Uh, I I I don't know. Um, you know, my sense is somebody's paying for uh, uh, paying for a study or paying for uh, whatever they get. They sort of get to call the shots, right? So.
1: Well, do you get the feeling that there's still a lot of research left to be done on, the, on this? I mean, is this something that you're going to be looking
2: into for weeks, months, years to come? Or are you at the end of the rope? Oh, no, no. no. I mean, I, I think there's a tremendous amount of uh, research to be done. I don't, think that, um, I don't think that the research has been done, at least as far as I can tell, um, in a comprehensive way about the efficacy of the drugs being ordered through spam. So some of the stuff I've been able to dig up, is contributing to that kind of research. so I hope that when that gets done I'll be able to write about it. That's the only thing I really care about, right um, My research uh, will, will continue. Um, there there are both on the pharmaceutical side I mean there are what 30 40 of these programs out there. none of them are as big as the two that I looked at I don't think but um, but there, there are certainly there's certainly a lot of other places to look, a lot of other stones to, to turn over. I I guess I would like to see more people looking, doing investigative research into this and, and not just sort of saying, well, this is a, this is the, the domain of law enforcement, you know, because at the end of the day, if you, you know, if you take some of the open source uh, information that's out there and you're willing to spend time on it, it's, it's oftentimes not hard to, to, to figure out who the actors are and how they're connected to each other. And that's something that I hope to, to be able to, to publish um, sometime this year is more social graph analysis of, of, uh, of uh, the connections between. Because at the end of the day, I think a lot of this stuff is perpetrated by relatively uh, few people uh, who have been in this community for a long time. So
0: I don't really see many people um, reporting on this kind of stuff to the degree that you report on it. I mean, you even you know, spent some time going and interviewing some of the people behind this, mm-hmm. and sitting down with them. and getting their opinions on things. And it's interesting and scary at the same time to, to be able to actually sit down with these people and say, why are you doing this? What's this bringing? And I believe that uh, Igor even uh, commented on exactly what um, effect um, the credit card processing would make if you if you started kind of cracking down on the yeah. credit card.
2: All I can say is that it's, it's, a, it's the best part about being on your own is that you don't have to... You don't have somebody telling you what you need to be writing about, and and I kind of just pick what I want to spend my time on, and I don't spend a lot of time chasing stuff that's everybody else is chasing. So,
0: really, one of the things I was wondering about is you are you ever concerned about sitting down with these people about the safety of it? Are you are you worried that if you start affecting people's bottom line, that they're going to be no I,
2: I, I would I would invite all, all, all of the uh, the guys involved in this activity to uh, to sit down and interview with me you know uh, particularly if they're willing to come here to the United States I think that'd be great
1: well Brian thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to sure. talk
2: to us and uh, go back and let's
1: enjoy the conference
2: all right thanks for having me
0: thanks for listening to this interview on the official first podcast. You've been listening to Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast and Christian Riley from the Eurotrash
1: Security Podcast. You can find out more about the first conference and this podcast at www.first.org. Thank you very much for listening. See you in Vienna.